Hello and welcome to the Swim Brief. I am Chris DeSantis and this is a special Tuesday edition where we talk about whatever's coming off the top of my mind. And this week, I want to focus on an interview that I have read just a day ago. Um, it's by the best journalist in swimming for the Sunday Times. Um, and it's with Adam Peaty. And I actually have talked very recently about Adam Peaty. Uh, I reacted to his decision to pull out of qualifying for the Summer's Worlds earlier. And this article, this interview with Craig Lord, uh, really dives deeper into what was at play there for Adam Peaty. And gosh, I just found myself thinking so much while I was reading this. So I wanted to share some of my thoughts with the audience here. And I highly encourage you, I will be um, reading from the article as we go through this. Um, I did pay uh, for a trial subscription to get through this. This article is paywalled, um, but I recommend you do so. It's, it's definitely worth it um, if this topic interests you. And I don't want any part of me reading pieces of this interview to come off of as uh, you know, a substitute for actually reading it so you can get the full context of everything. I'm just going to be reading some excerpts of it and reacting to them as they go. Um, so Adam Peaty sat down with uh, Craig Lord and uh, he was talking about you know, his mental state, where he is right now, and um, what kind of stuff that he is struggling with. Um, and early on in the interview, one of the first quotes from PD that I'm going to read off here um, is he says, the devil on my shoulder says, you're missing out on life. You're not good enough. You need a drink. You can't have what you want. You can't be happy. Um, and uh, it goes on to say that he is then looking for distractions from this. And this is something I can definitely um, relate to uh, as somebody who has dealt with a lot of negative thinking in my life, that uh, it can often feel, and probably the first strategy you come up with is, I really don't like, um, I don't like this. And you start looking for ways to distract your brain. I think when I'm coaching swimmers, probably one of the most frequent strategies I run into for people who are really dealing with a lot of negative thoughts around competition is they'll go like, well, I'll just blast music in my ear, <clears throat> right? I'll pump so much noise in that it makes me hard, makes it hard for me to think. And, um, you know, I think that it's, this is a place where a lot of people start, but the downside of it, and you can even hear it in the answer that he's given is it is impossible to distract 24 seven. And so when you distract, basically what you're doing is instead of processing the stuff that is going on with you, you're punting it. You know, you're just saying like, I'll deal with this later. But then if your to total strategy is, distraction, well, um, you don't have a plan to deal with it later. And what happens is this stuff gathers energy while you, while you don't process it and it will come back to you at some very inopportune time. Right. And in the case of what PD is describing here, a lot of those inopportune times will be at the end of the day, when you are completely worn out, when you're at your weakest, when you're you're most exhausted, you're most vulnerable, and that is where the substances come in. 
And he talks a lot in this article about the fact that um, he believes he has a problem with drinking. And I, I mean, I don't know why I put the, he believes, um, I think, you know, if you believe you have a problem with drinking, good chance you have a problem with drinking. Um, that's, uh, if you, if you believe that it's creating, you know, if you can experience that's creating some negative consequences for you, it's overall not, um, not very good in your life and you just keep doing it anyway. Um, I think that is an indicator for any person that you have, um, that you're caught in some kind of loop that you're repeatedly engaging in some behaviors that, you know, if you were just able to sit down rationally and go like, what do I want to do? What do I not want to do? You wouldn't choose that. Right. But in, in, in essence on a lot of days um, or repeatedly, you are choosing it. And to get some insight into that, I mean, like I, I can relate to this hundred percent. I have had times in my life when I have drank way, way too much. Um, I know, especially during some of the years where I was coaching in Denmark, um, that I've talked a lot about on this podcast, the moments where I was extremely stressed, where I was far away from home. My mother was dying. Um, I was really struggling with the job that I was doing. Um, I just wanted to get away. I just wanted to distract. I wanted to um, get some peace from... (laughs) the the pain that um my my mind was experiencing on a daily basis and and drinking kind of um settled me you know for a very short period of time and then it made me feel worse the next day and actually created a cycle where a lot of this stuff gained energy but yet again yet yet again you know at that time i think the way i looked at it was well, if you if you if you're stuck in such a place, or you're you're you find yourself in such a place where you go, well, this is just how it is, and it's not going to get better. Temporary relief is better than no relief, right? Um, and I can hear a lot of that. Um, uh, it says that, uh, again, he says, talks about distractions. He said he wants to avoid another alcoholic binge of the kind he confessed to in March when he said he needed a break from the intense monastic demands of being uh, one of the world's most successful athletes. And then it goes on to say that um, PD is ADHD diagnosed. That's something I've talked a lot about on this podcast as well. I have a di- diagnosis with ADHD. And I would say, I'm not a doctor. There's not a medical opinion I'm about to give, but I find so much <laughs> um, synergy, unfortunately, between substance abuse issues and ADHD. Because again, if what you're dealing with is a lot of negative thoughts, okay, when you have ADHD um, or when you are diagnosed ADHD, one of the things that I experience with that is that my brain has this crazy energy for ideation. It can create so many thoughts. In fact, it creates so many thoughts at so many times that um, that it can be one of the reasons why I struggle to focus with on what I'm doing is that my brain is constantly racing to sort of create new track and just to be able to slow down and categorize and put stuff away as I think of it is a, is a giant task. Um, And what that results is I do a lot of like, not now, not now, not now, not now. And then stuff comes back to me 
um, and it's really, really overwhelming. And, you know, that puts me in that place where I am kind of um, feeling very vulnerable and worn out. And I just want some temporary um, relief. So, you know, he goes on to mention that Phelps, uh, Michael Phelps also um, had an ADHD diagnosis. And we know that Phelps um, struggled with uh, substances. I mean, he had a couple big episodes, I would say, in his athletic um, career, and he's referenced it obliquely um, in in some other uh, context. He's he's referenced a lot of this stuff. So um, again, I think there's some synergy there if you read through uh, read through some of the article. Um, he goes on to say, he says, honestly, I've been on a self destructive spiral, which I don't mind saying because I'm human. By saying it, I can start to find answers. Um, and I think this is a really important piece of this. Um, if you read some of this, uh, one of the things that PD has been, I think, really strong on promoting is that he's actually forming a bridge between, you know, these low points and um, some positive change down the line. So he, he, he understands and can, can communicate really well that although this is something that he probably feels a lot of shame and embarrassment about that he, um, that he certainly isn't like excited to share with the world or proud to share with the world that, you know, that there is, there is a process from this um, that he has started and he's actually visualizing a positive outcome down the line that he's visualizing a future where he will find different answers to the problems and challenges that he's dealing with right now. And, and that that will be a positive for him and that he will be a different person on the other end of it. So um, you can tell that Adam has done some really hard work uh, when he, makes a quote like this. I'm really impressed. I think um, it's revealing. And, I, and I, I think it's a great example for people when you want to um, get beyond. A lot of the conversation um, I see around mental health is, is destigmatizing. And I think destigmatizing is still incredibly um, valuable, but on a person, on a group level, right? But on a personal level, you want to feel like you're taking a step beyond the original one, that really negative space where you go like, oh, I'm really struggling with depression right now. You don't want the story to end there, right? And just depression to be a quality of who you are um, and just sort of like a, um, a dominating piece of you but you want the admission that you are feeling depressed to be the first step towards addressing um, some of the processes, some of the experiences, some of the thought patterns that have gotten you into a space where you're really, 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 really struggling. Um, and, um, you know, he, he addresses this actually in, in another quote, um, you know, he talks about how mental health has become a loose term. I totally agree with that. Um, and 
Um, he just says, uh, we heard this in his other quote, uh, sorry, his, his admission when he wasn't going to go to Worlds. I didn't feel happy swimming. I didn't feel happy racing. My biggest love in the sport. I had my hand hovering over a self-destruct button because if I don't get the result that I want, I self-destruct. So this is where we get to the core of what I want to expand upon um, in some of the stuff that I read with PD. It strikes me that he is laying out for us the framework of how he has really um, gotten to the natural de-evolution of a lot of these negatively framed motivational infrastructure um, techniques. I would say he, he has built a lot of the ways that he is getting himself to do things, or he's built to a, a place where the way that he gets himself to do a lot of the extremely challenging, extremely like just extreme <laughs> things that you do to be at this um, absolutely incredible level of performance. And that is um, he has built there by being cruel to himself. So Cruelty has become embedded in the process, right? He says, I have my hand hovering over a self-destruct button because if I don't get the result that I want, I self-destruct. Well, to me, that tells me that um, a lot of the way that he views right now as maybe even necessary to get himself to do, they, they refer to monastic demands earlier, which I... I probably could do a whole other podcast on, but but to get himself to do this sort of stuff, that's just very unusual, right? It's so unusual. There may be nobody else who has done things the way that he has done them to get to the level that he has, right? Um, he's the world record holder. And, um, but the way that he has gotten himself to do there has been um, when he makes a mistake, when he doesn't live up to his own expectations, when he doesn't meet his own high standards, he crashes down on himself. And I think this is really important to understand. I think we see a lot uh, more discussion than we did. And I've certainly been one of those people out there discussing even five, 10, 15, 20 years ago um, about really uh, demanding, really, uh, I would say maybe even cruel coaching Adam Peaty's most cruel coaches is, is his own mind. Um, and many of us uh, and many people that are highly motivated and trying to do something really ambitious are in the same boat. That the most, um, <laughs> the most abusive coach that they have is the one within themselves, right? Um, I think if you, if you think about what Petey is describing here, that, you know, what, he's always one um, one moment of failing to meet his expectations, which are based on the success that he's had, they've got to be so high, right? Um, the bar has got to be set so, 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 so high. He's, he's got to have set an extremely high standard for himself. So one moment of not meeting that and he will go ballistic, right? Imagine if you had a coach like that. Imagine if you had a coach where, you know, you were a little bit off 
on one rep in practice and they just absolutely lost their mind on you. That's, that's actually what Adam is describing. Um, but that is as a way that um, um, I relate to myself. And he goes on to say, he says, sometimes that can be good because I use that as long-term motivation. And here's where I want to scream from the rooftops. That is not a system for long-term motivation. Being hard on yourself is not a system for long-term motivation. Why? Because you damage yourself over time. And eventually, it's like taking out an extremely high interest loan on yourself. It might work in for a finite period of time. But when the times when it comes time to pay that bill, like you might have more resources for some um, defined period of time. And it can be so tempting, especially when you're at trying to do something at an extremely high level when you're just like oh, just a year away or you know the, from the last moment of my big competitive career it can be right there right who wouldn't go you know that's that's something i think that leads a lot of people into performance enhancing drug space cuz they're not thinking about how you're going to feel when you're 65 they want to be at their best now okay but but that moment of self-cruelty, of self-harshness, it is extremely effective for changing your direction. And you think about it as like, you know, if I turn on my stove in front of me, I'm recording this from my kitchen and I got a pan on there, right? That's going to be a hot pan. If I walk up and touch it, I'm going to burn my finger and um, I... I'm going to be for foreseeable future, much more careful around pans because <laughs> I have that experience of pain. It is going to change the direction of my behavior. But what he's essentially suggesting is keep your hand on the pan. Okay. So that you really, you know, so that you really feel it. And that'll be your long-term way of figuring out to keep your, you know, never, never touch a pan again. Well, guess what? You're just going to end up with a burnt finger. And um, so you're going to end up damaging yourself over the long-term. And I, I have run into this myself. <laughs> I have run into so many situations where I am tapping into this cruelty, this um, the most cruel version of Chris DeSantis um, the most cruel coach, a coach that I would never be for another person. And I just unleash it on myself because some part of me believes that is what makes me successful and what motivates me in the long term. It's not true. It's not true. Um, the part where he can actually visualize that he's on a path to something better and to being different, that's actually what helps you to motivate over a long period of time. But these moments of self-punishment, um, they do a lot of damage. And over time, um, it comes time to, it, that damage can be undone, that damage, it's, it's, not, it's not permanent. Um, the mind is really, really resilient. But um, when you get into, you can, you can easily get into a space where the only path forward 
you um, you really want to take, or sh- or I, in my opinion, you should take, is to change uh, the way that you motivate yourself and start getting some introspection. Um, and he talks about that. Um, you know, he talks a lot about isolation. Um, he's dealing with an extremely hard situation, and that is, you know, he um, has a two-year-old, and um, he is now not together with the mother of his two-year-old, and he doesn't have custody of his child. Um, uh, and he talks about how he doesn't feel with the demands of what he's doing swimming-wise. He has a lot of time anyway um, to go see his child. I mean, my heart breaks for him. When my daughter was born, that's when I was coaching in Denmark and I was struggling with all the things that I told you I was struggling with earlier. And um, I remember I've told this story before, but uh, even then as a coach on the level that I was coaching, I slept 60 days out of, out of a year, um, the first year of my daughter's life away from home. I missed all sorts of milestones um, and the, the psychic pain that that inflicts on you um, is you can't really measure it. I mean, it hurts. It really does, really does hurt. And it became another um, thing that was taking up a lot of space in my mind that, um, that I was trying to get away from, right. That I was trying to distract because, ah, well, you know, I've got, I have to do this. I have to, um, you know, I have to be, get to the next level of coaching. I have to make this practice for this. I have to, you know, qualify this person for X meet, you know, I was always focused on the next accomplishment. And um, that kept me first off from, from doing the thing that I really wanted to do. Um, so one, that's why one of the reasons why I say one of the best things that have ever happened to me there was, was getting fired because it gave me some time to be at home um, and to realize, you know, what, what the potential and the person that I could be on the other end of actually like being around <laughs> um, in my children's lives, it completely changed the course of my life. And, and don't hope that, um, you know, Adam is not going to be able to uh, keep swimming through Paris, you know, in order to find this, but I, I hope that he will, see what kind of person he can be on the other end of doing some of the stuff that he wants. Cause I can feel that ache um, in his answers. You can feel that he um, it's hurting him that he wants to be involved and um, there's still time uh, for him to, you know, um, it's, it's just still time for him to start realizing that. And I, I don't think, maybe a controversial opinion here, but I, I don't think that um, what he's envisioning because what he's envisioning in terms of first off, even the way he frames it, what he needs to do uh, in order to be successful in Paris, what he needs to do um, is exclusive of being present and uh, being more just being around more in the life of his son. I actually think um, there is a, there is a way here where he could see being in his son's life as something that will make everything else he wants to achieve more likely. 
Um, it strikes me that he is, um, by his own description, leading a life that doesn't have that kind of emotional balance and range. And so, so much of the pressure and focus just comes down on his swimming results because, you know, those swimming results become what all the resources have been put into. And it is, it is a lot. It is a lot for any person, um, any person to deal with. And the reason why I can test the piece where I, I can hear that he says, I have to do this. And he says, I'm looking for that extra 10th of a percent because he's achieved at such a high level. You can easily get into this um, piece where you're really, you're envisioning that like, you know, in order to succeed at a higher level, you have to maintain everything that you are doing. And if you've been using negative motivation to maintain a lot of that, that's got to have been extremely hard. And it only gets harder the longer you motivate that way. And then I got to find a way to do a little bit more instead of a thought that I have been doing things um, and some of them have been working extremely well. Some of them have led me to this um, amazing level of success, a level of success that is basically unmatched. Um, and, but that there are things that I haven't discovered that have the potential to, um, to unlock whole new levels for me and that don't necessarily require maintaining all, all of the things that I have already be doing, already been doing to get to this level. Um, so that's my reaction to the Adam PD article. Um, again, I suggest that you go read it. There's some discussion, um, more discussion about details of training, um, some of the diet stuff, but a lot of it fits into the categories um, that, uh, I've, I've already discussed in some other contexts. So I would, um, recommend you to go in that direction. If you are an athlete or, you know, an athlete or you're a coach who is listening to this and you've really struggled with the way that you motivate yourself to do things, consider signing up for coaching. Um, I've helped a lot of people, um, and I have been wherever you've been. So, um, if you go to christycoach.com, you can contact me, um, free consultation. I'm happy to listen, uh, and see if it's actually something that I can help with. I tell a lot of people no, um, when I don't think that I can help, I'm pretty selective with that stuff. And, um, but the only way to find out is, uh, is to, is to do that. And, um, otherwise you can follow Instagram. Chris D underscore coach, uh, CD uh, swim coach on Facebook. Um, and you, of course, you can go to the magic5.com backslash the swim brief. And uh, you can get 15% off a pair of custom fit goggles, goggles I wear every time I go swimming, the best goggles I've ever owned. And if, uh, if you buy one, you also support this podcast, which I make for all you guys for free. So consider doing that. 
to support this. Um, I may be coming up with some other ways to support this podcast here in the near future um, because I know that there's some people out there that want to do that. Um, I appreciate you guys all listening. Uh, final, 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 final piece. I will be in Minnesota later this week. I'm so excited. I've never been to the state of Minnesota before. I'm doing a couple things. I'm speaking at a coach's clinic while I'm there. So if you're a listener that um, is in attendance out at Minnesota, and I'm guessing that there are because um, the way that I got invited to the conference in the first place was that people requested me um, and by far my most sort of observed thing out there in the media is this podcast. So um if you are somebody that listens to this, please, please, please come say hi to me in Minnesota. I would love to meet you. Um, I always love meeting listeners of the pod. I always get great conversations when I talk to people out in those contexts. And uh, I'm going to be dropping by and visiting Kate Lunston at AquaJet. So I'm really excited about that too. And maybe there'll be some conversation and some inspiration coming out of that on the podcast next week. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And I'll see you again soon.